Good morning. It's good to see you. I'm Jeff Ross. I'm one of the associate pastors here, newly retired, yay, and uh, working here part-time and enjoying, I've uh, been here three, four months, and so uh, it's been fun to get to know many of y'all and maybe get to know some more of you today. Our scripture passage uh, this morning is from Matthew chapter 4, 18 to 25. And Jesus walked along the, alongside the Galilee Sea. He saw two brothers, Simon, and his, uh, who is called Peter, and Andrew throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and followed him. And continuing on, he saw another set of brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, repairing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. To ministry to the crowds, Jesus traveled through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. He announced the good news of the kingdom and healed every disease and sickness among them. News about him spread throughout Syria. People brought to him all those who had various kinds of diseases, those in pain, those possessed by demons, those with uh, epilepsy, those who were paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from the areas beyond the Jordan River. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. And so uh, I, I, I wanted us to look at this because we're talking today about passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And this passage talks about an interesting sort of movement. Uh, there's a couple of people that follow Jesus, and then the whole crowd of folks begin to follow Jesus. So I want us to look this morning at what it means to be a follower, what Jesus did to sort of help that along, how the followers responded, what they did in following, what does following uh, actually uh, look like, and uh, how does that take place. So that's kind of where we're, we're headed today. Uh, and so I want us to kind of get a picture right here of this fourth chapter of Matthew. So the beginning of Matthew is Jesus' birth and the uh, sort of the lineage of Jesus, the wise men and sort of getting all that set up. And then uh, uh, the baptism of John. And then in this fourth chapter, it starts with the temptation of Jesus. So Jesus uh, is baptized by John. He goes out in the wilderness. Uh, and in that wilderness experience, there's some interesting things that take place. Jesus is tempted Satan is trying to get Jesus to sort of uh, take on uh, this uh, uh, whole new role. He wants Jesus to sort of go off on his own. He wants Jesus to sort of uh, kind of plow new ground. He knows that Jesus and God have this plan. He wants Jesus to abandon the plan and go off on his own. Uh, and so Jesus is helpful to us in that first little section there. Of uh, He keeps pushing back to God. He said, the word of God says, the word of God says, every challenge or temptation that Satan gives him, Jesus pushes back and he, and he says, the word of God says. 
So he's teaching us right there that Jesus isn't out doing something on his own. Jesus is following uh, God's lead. He's following the direction, the plan that they have. He's not sort of taking this off in a new direction. He's frustrating uh, Satan out in the desert and then uh, comes back, moves to Galilee, and he starts calling uh, people to follow him. Uh, so if we're going to be uh, followers, uh, it, it, or if we're thinking about followers, if we're already followers, if we've been learning to follow, if we want to know more about following, then it makes sense to sort of dig in right here uh, and kind of see what's going on. And so I want us to uh, kind of uh, go back through a couple of these scriptures. Verse 19. Uh, Jesus tells the, the, or, or tells the fishermen uh, to follow him, and he says to them, you can fish for people. And I, th I think that's an, a really interesting turn of phrase there, uh, that Jesus goes after fishermen, and then he uses their language and their ideas, something they know how to do, catch fish, and he just kind of rearranges the direction of that a little bit and says, I can help you to be fishers of men. I can help you to do something similar to what you're doing, uh, but in a way that makes a, a, a difference in the kingdom. Uh, something much more grand, something on a bigger stage, something uh, that, uh, that maybe captivates their, uh, their interest and, uh, uh, and enthusiasm. So Jesus is inviting them to follow him. But as he's inviting them, he's inviting them to come along with their skills. Jesus isn't saying to them, I don't care what you've done or where you've been, I'll fix all that. You know, sometimes we marry people and we decide we want to fix them, don't we? Anybody tried that? You meet somebody and they're wonderful, and if I could just get them to do this and this and this a little better, they'd be perfect. And so we spend a lot of our marriages uh, kind of working on fixing the person to get them so anyway, I won't go down that path. Uh, so, but Jesus looks at their skills, looks at who they are, and he goes, you're perfect. And they, they kind of smile. I want to use those skills. I want to use those abilities. Jesus is honoring their work and experience. Uh, Jesus values who they are and what they know. Jesus is humbling himself to say, I need your particular skills. Jesus is admitting, you know, I need your help. I, I really do. You can help me. And so their fishing skills is something that Jesus values and says, you know, uh, we can work with that and those ideas and your abilities and your passion for that, uh, we can work together. Will you follow me? And so they do. And then he goes down in verse 21 and says, James and John, uh, uh, Jesus approaches them, uh, and we don't have the conversation there. Um, and so uh, James and John are, uh, follow Jesus. They respond to the question, but we don't know. So it could have been a couple of things. Uh, Peter and Andrew may have given the invitation. They may have said, hey, we just met this guy, and here's why we're following. Would you like to follow? Maybe Jesus you know, got them to help uh, right away. Uh, it doesn't really say, but, it, but what it does say is a, a little more interesting as we go, continue to go through here. Verse 20, it says, Peter and Andrew leave their nets. So they're, they're working on their nets and they leave their nets, but it's interesting of all the things they had to leave, that that's the thing that the scripture picks. In verse 23, it says that James and John leave their boat 
and their father. Do you remember what the father was doing when they, when they uh, left? He was, they were all tending the net. So it also means that they left the dad to do all the nets by himself. So, uh, so kind of put yourself in this right now. Uh, if Jesus were to call you, or if, Jesus, or if you were to hear that Jesus is calling you, what do you have that Jesus values? He valued there being the fact that these guys were fishermen. So what is it that you have that Jesus values? What is it that you know? What is it that you've experienced? What is it that you bring to the table? And before you say, oh, nothing, uh, check that. I mean, I, I'd really like you to dig down into that because we all bring something. We were all created by God. We were all given gifts and abilities and talents and personalities and things, passions uh, that we have. So we all have been given things by God. What is it about you that God wants to tap into? You know, so many times in life, so many times in our faith, we see somebody and, and, and we get sort of down because we're not that person. Maybe we value those gifts that that person has. We don't have those gifts. We're not that person. So we sort of slump over and think, well, we don't have any value instead of recognizing that's that person's gift. Our gift is, is something else. Uh, the, the call of the gospel in our lives is to dig down, figure that out, look at who we are, what we like, what did God put inside of us, and then how might God use that uh, for his kingdom? The second part of that, though, is, is, is maybe a little harder. What is it that we'd have to leave? Yeah, that, that's a little harder. Is it the net? Is it our boat and our dad? Is it, what is it that to follow Jesus might we have to sort of set off to the side for a while? It's interesting that James and John, Peter and Andrew all come back to fishing a little later. So they didn't give it up completely. But what is something maybe for a while, a season, we might have to put aside in order to follow Jesus? What is it maybe, maybe to ask that another way, what's getting in the way of our following God? What's getting in the way that maybe we can't get to God or he can't get to us because this thing is in the way? It's more important. It's become our idol. It's become the thing that's most important to us. Jesus says a little bit later in this uh, Matthew's gospel, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will work out. Uh, sometimes that's hard for us to do and to hear. So here we have Jesus. He's calling followers. Um, and uh, asking them to come alongside of him. And so then what does he do? So the last part of this fourth chapter is, is kind of watching what Jesus does. And it's really interesting the language that's used there. Jesus asks these folks to follow. They're following, we assume. And then Jesus goes and performs a variety of tasks. But look at how it explains and how it talks about those tasks. Uh, Jesus traveled, in verse 23... He, Jesus, announces the good news. He, Jesus, heals. And news spread about Jesus throughout the land. In verse 25, Jesus, the large crowds followed Jesus. So it's interesting that it's, it's not about the disciples, it's about Jesus. Jesus is teaching them really how to follow and thereby in how to follow also how to lead. 
but he's, he's inviting them to watch him for a while. He's just called them. Pay attention, watch, come along with me, and watch what I do. And so Jesus does these things, and the disciples are following. Uh, they're taking notice. Uh, they're watching. They're learning. Uh, they're being mentored. They're being challenged. They're being asked to think about how this all works. And so uh, trying to think of a way to kind of crystallize this in your, your minds, and I stumbled upon this video uh, on, on YouTube. Uh, it's about following and how, we, uh, how following works, sort of uh, how it grows. If you've learned a lot about leadership and making a movement, then let's watch a movement happen start to finish in under three minutes and dissect some lessons. First, of course, a leader needs the guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. But what he's doing is so simple, it's almost instructional. This is key. You must be easy to follow. Now here comes the first follower with a crucial role. He publicly shows everyone else how to follow. Notice how the leader embraces him as an equal. So it's not about the leader anymore. It's about them, plural. Notice how he's calling to his friends to join in. So it takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out and you brave ridicule yourself. Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership. The first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, the first follower is the spark that really makes the fire. Now here's the second follower. This is a turning point. It's proof the first has done well. Now it's not a lone nut and it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd and a crowd is news. A movement must be public. Make sure outsiders see more than just the leader. Everyone needs to see the followers because new followers emulate followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, then three more immediately. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point, and now we have a movement. As more people jump in, it's no longer risky. If they were on the fence before, there's no reason not to join in now. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, and they will be part of the in-crowd if they hurry. And over the next minute, you'll see the rest who prefer to stay part of the crowd, because eventually they'd be ridiculed for not joining. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement is made. So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public, be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is over-glorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy, and he'll get all the credit, but you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in. Okay. Okay, so a couple of things to pull out of that. Um, one is the, the shirtless dancer. Uh, when people come to dance, he doesn't stop them and instruct them on how to dance, does he? 
he kind of looks at the guy, the, the first follower guy kind of tumbles, and, and he stands back, if you notice, if you watch it again, and he claps, like, yay, you interpret, you know, you kind of did your own thing. So getting back to what I was saying earlier, you have gifts, abilities, talents, passions, uh, things that God has, has put into you. And so the, 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 the work of hopefully the church and pastors and, and folks who are in leadership is to embrace the gifts, diversity, ability that you bring uh, and not try to say, okay, now here at this place, this is what we do. So stand like that, then raise that arm, then here's the dance, we're going to choreograph it. That's not at all what Jesus does. Look back at, at how he calls these disciples, use their, uses their gifts and talents and abilities, and a little bit later in Matthew, he's going to send them out. He's not going to go with them. He's not going to micromanage what they do. He's going to allow them to go and be the church, be disciples, be followers. So how is it that we do that? Uh, how is it that we do that here in the church? How is that the, the, one of the ways in which you help uh, folks that follow? Um, and then uh, another thing to notice is that, because this is where we really get into a lot of trouble, is the first followers, the first two or three or four folks that come down, they don't tell the next wave of followers how to dance either, which is really key and really hard, because sometimes we'll grab an idea and we'll interpret it uh, through our lens, and then when folks come along, we go, no, 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 you're doing that wrong. Here's how to do it right. You know, ministry and fishing for people and being the church is, is not a science. It, it's, it's something we figure out. It's God breathing through us. It's the Holy Spirit at work in us. You know, the funny thing that happened in the early church is that uh, if you read the book of Acts, the first couple of chapters, is that uh, the disciples are picked by Jesus, right? And so as Jesus hangs on the cross, dies, is resurrected, the disciples are left. And it says early in Acts that they're all in an upper room. They're all kind of huddled together. And you know that they're making plans. They're going, okay, Jesus is gone, so you do this and you do this and I'll take this and you do that. They're figuring out what it is that they're going to do to follow Jesus' command of going and making disciples, right? Right? So they're, they're mapping this out. They're saying, okay, we're going to do this, and we're going to make people do this, and if people want to join, they have to do this. You know they were doing that because that's what we do. We take this idea that was given to us, not our idea, but we take it and we decide how it's going to have to happen for it to move forward. Like God's not able to keep that going. And so what's miraculous and fun and, and really great in the second chapter of Acts when the Holy Spirit comes uh, they're all in this upper room making plans. The Holy Spirit blows that up. Uh, remember, it comes with uh, 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 a, a mighty rush of wind, and people are talking in different languages, and all kinds of chaos is breaking out. And all of a sudden, people in the town come rushing. This isn't planned. This isn't the way Peter was scripting it. Peter was caught completely off, of guard, off guard. So were the other disciples. God is in control. God is doing this. The Holy Spirit is moving in people's lives. It's not us controlling that. Whenever we try to control stuff, it blows up. We make a mess of it. Uh, we ruin what was a good thing by saying it has to happen this way and it has to go uh, in this order. If we look at the Old Testament, same thing happened. 
God doesn't call the kings and rulers and folks with the biggest palaces and biggest houses. God over and over and over chooses the least, uh, chooses the youngest of seven brothers, chooses uh, somebody that's, that has no real position at all so that people recognize that those folks are only able to do what they're doing because of God at work in their lives, not because of their own abilities and talents. So for those of us that have a lot of talents and abilities and big positions and things, it's hard to turn that around and say it's God and not me. But didn't we sing about that? I think our second song, more of God, less of me. More of God, less of me. That's a, a mantra that we really need to hang on to because we've got to be careful today. Maybe more today than any other day, although every generation has its own issues and troubles. But we need to be careful that we don't follow pastors. And I'm saying that. We need to be careful that we don't follow churches or denominations, authors, bloggers, uh, our best friends, our neighbors. We need to be careful even with Scripture we need to be following Jesus. And everything points to Jesus. And if the people in our lives aren't helping us follow Jesus, then they're leading us down the wrong path. We want to be famous. We want to be noticed. We want to be liked. And so every person is battling this struggle. Every organization is battling this struggle of wanting us to like and therefore follow them. We need to be following Jesus and we need to be leery. We need to be cautious. Uh, we don't need to be paranoid, but we need to be aware of where folks in our lives that speak into our head are trying to take us. Are they trying to take us closer to Jesus or are they trying to take us closer to what they want or need or have to have? And so as we think about game day, I love all this direction. I don't know if y'all over here are watching the game and not even paying attention to me, but... Um, this, is, this is good stuff. I, I, on game day, I was noticing that uh, even the band and the worship team, it, it, it's like game day. We meet in a room, we pray, we talk, go over what's going on. This is like gathering in the room and going, okay, go, and <laughs> to come out and get ready for worship. Uh, we live in a world that's a lot like game day, getting ready for school, getting ready for work, our families coming together. Uh, and every team, every successful team has to be moving in a direction. If everybody on the team is going in a different direction, there's chaos. And so Jesus isn't really calling leaders. As, as goofy as that may sound, Jesus is calling followers. Look what he does with this group of, of folks in the New Testament. He calls them to follow him. And at the end of the day, he doesn't send them out uh, to lead, you know, wherever they want to go, we, we notice, as I just talked about in Acts, that God is still leading through the Holy Spirit, and we're still following him. Everything in our life needs to be pointing towards following Jesus, not trying to interpret what Jesus does and go off in some direction that uh, gets people to follow us. Again, a little bit later 
in the, uh, this Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 4 leads into the fifth chapter of Mark, Matthew, which is the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will fall into place. So he's saying, another way of saying this, follow God. Follow God. Follow this direction. I'm here to guide you in what that looks like. I'm teaching the disciples what that looks like. So you follow us to follow God, and everything else will find its place. So how can we follow in the places that we are? Well, one of the ways is by noticing uh, folks that are creative in their way of following. Do you notice in the video, the first followers were the most courageous. Everybody's looking and watching this guy, but it's only after a couple of people step up that everybody else feels uh, safe, maybe, uh, in following. So there may be, is there a place in your life where where God is speaking to you to step out. And it maybe is a, a place to start, be the shirtless guy dancing in the field. It may be that you see somebody doing a good thing, and as you think about it and pray about it uh, and seek God's direction, it, it really feels like to you that it's the Holy Spirit guiding you to follow God in this way. And what would it be like to be the first follower? What would it be like to support? What would it be like to stand with? What would it be like to ask God, God, what are the gifts, talents, and abilities that you value in me, that you want to use for your kingdom? And then what's the thing I need to give up, or what's the thing that stands in the way of that, God? Enabling me to do that, creating a path for me to do that, opening a door for me to do that. Let us pray. God, we live in a world where, gosh, there's so many directions, so many things. And sometimes it's hard to know. So we just follow the next person instead of really thinking through what we're following, where this is going. What's, it, where, what's the end of this road going to look like? So God, give us strength. Help us to seek you. Speak to us clearly. Help us to see the gifts, abilities, talents, passions that you've given us. What's unique about who we are? Uh, and God, if that's hard to figure out at first, maybe we talk to some other folks. Maybe we spend some time with that. Maybe that's a little harder to mine and discover. But God, give us a passion for that. Let us know who we are so we might know where to go and, and what to do in that direction. Amen. Uh, this morning, we, uh, we want to give you an invitation to... Uh, 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 respond and continue to participate in worship with your offering. Uh, you can see all that goes around uh, on ar around this place. Uh, there are so many good things. If you come in early and watch the screens that the church is doing, that we're doing together as a part of uh, Roswell United Methodist Church in Chapel Roswell, uh, we, we need your support and your help to make those things possible. You can see on the screen the different ways in which you can give. We make it really easy so that uh, you can't say, oh, I, don't, I didn't know how to do that. Uh, the baskets that it talks about are at the doors as you're leaving. Uh, I hope that you'll uh, pick one of those or, or stop by there if that's the easiest way for you to give. And then also in our coolers today, 
we have these little Chapel Roswell uh, footballs, part of our game day uh, celebration and promotion. Uh, if you didn't get one last week, you'd like to come up and get one today. There's some in each of these uh, as the band sings. Uh, so let us uh, continue worship together now uh, as we sing together. <laughs> 